This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this, the first post-bi-week edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, although not in person this time, unfortunately, is the one and only pride and joy of Homewood, Illinois. It's Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, we have one hockey game to talk about, (laughs) but first I want to mention... It's weird not having you in person with me after doing several podcasts in a row in which we were close enough to either gently touch each other's uh, elbows or punch each other. I don't know. Whichever yeah. you want to pick. It was, uh, it was a, a bit of a change for us. We're not usually together, but it was a nice change of pace. And uh, I do miss your gentle uh, extensions of love during the podcast that I would feel every now and again like, what is that? Why is there something on my leg? Oh, it's just James reminding oh me he's my. here. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not afraid. I got, you know. Whatever. Um, We've both been married for almost a decade. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're not, we're not uncomfortable. Uh, all right. So lots of stuff to get to today. The Blackhawks have a new defenseman in Nick Sealer. Uh, quite frankly, I did not know who that was like 48 hours ago, but now I'm an expert. Ditto. <laughs> right. As are all Hawks fans, we've all got strong opinions now of Nick Sealer because we've read a story. Anyway, so he practiced with the Hawks today. He'll be wearing number 55, a slap in the face to Eric Daze and Ben Eager. And Ryan Stanton, dang it. Oh, God. Nice pull. Right. (laughs) That is a good one. Ryan Stanton's a good pull. I like that. Uh, Did Ben Eager wear number 55? Yes, he did. Yes. Stanley Cup champion Ben Eager. Show some respect. He he had a game-winning goal in one of those playoff games, I think. Yes, he absolutely did. Uh, We'll get to that. Speaking of uh, Stanley Cup champion, Dustin Bufflin. Looks like him and the Winnipeg Jets are going to reach a settlement to terminate his contract. He's not played all year. Uh, looks like he's probably just going to retire, but seeing the fact that uh, Dustin Bufflin's about to be an unrestricted free agent obviously was on the radar of Blackhawks fans, so we'll talk about that. And, of course, the thrilling 3-2 overtime shootout win over the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at MadhousePod. Email is madhousepod at gmail.com or on Instagram at madhouse underscore pod. Lots of ways to find us. We're out there. You can find us very, very easily. But the best thing to do, just subscribe to the podcast, and as soon as it's available, you will get notified and be able to listen and then send us a nice review, leave us a five-star rating, all those wonderful things we appreciate. So let's start with new Blackhawks legend, 
Nick Sealer, who the Blackhawks <laughs> claimed off waivers from the Minnesota Wild. Uh, b- basically, what we've seen all day is guy who works hard, guy who plays physical, probably a borderline NHL defenseman, and the Wild were not happy to lose him. But, you know, they all seem like, yep, you know, good luck to him. He worked hard. Eh, it's a tough loss, but we'll move on. And they don't seem too worked up about it. James, what can you tell our audience about the great Nick Sealer? Besides the fact that he looks like a Minnesotan uh, Sylvester Stallone, like that's probably the closest I can uh, compare his face to. Um, well, yeah, that was the first thing I noticed about him was that he's from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and it reminded me of another Blackhawks defenseman acquired from the wild that hailed from that same town, hmm. and that would be Nick Letty. Interesting. Nick Letty was from Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Pointed that out on Twitter today. Do not ask me how on the day after the Super Bowl I managed to remember that tidbit of information, <laughs> but boy, howdy, I did it. Well, that's what makes you a, a podcast professional, my friend. That, that clearly is why. Um, and then what else makes me a podcast professional is I went back and watched a little video of the Nick Sealer over the years, and I got to tell you that they pretty much purchased themselves through the waiver wire, a seventh defenseman that is going to allow them to send Dennis Gilbert down, get some more playing time down in Rockford. I think that's ultimately the main goal of this thing. I know he signed through sealer is signed through next season. I do also want to point that out, but I think that largely what the Blackhawks wanted to do is they wanted to get a depth NHL defenseman that they would feel comfortable plugging in there. If Slater Cuckoo begins to kind of struggle a little bit, although that has not happened lately, I will be quick to point that out as well. This is clearly a depth move could help him if they decide to make a trade towards the deadline of maybe a guy like an Eric Gustafson, but this is 100% a depth deal. They, it's not like they see Nick Sealer and go, that's a future fourth pairing or second pairing defenseman. They do not. I cannot imagine that they look at him that way. So probably going to be a lot of limited playing time with him. And I wouldn't imagine we're going to see a lot of good old number double nickels on the Blackhawks this season. No, probably not. You can never have too many viable NHL defensemen. And, and that's, you know, probably what he is uh, not going to be an all-star, but look, you get him for nothing. He makes under a million bucks. And if you do decide in a couple weeks that you want to sell off some defensemen and uh, kind of load up some prospects and picks, you got a guy you can plug in until the end of the season. So welcome to Chicago, Nick Sealer. Very exciting. Very, very, I'm, I, my nipples are erect right now because of Nick Sealer. Let me tell you. I, ca- I cannot verify <laughs> this since we are not in the same room, by the way. I'll send you a picture. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we got to address the Dustin Bufflin thing too because – Everyone saw this and was like, ooh, Dustin Bufflin's about to be a free agent. And that's probably true. If you haven't been following the story, it's a little bit convoluted. It's a little bit annoying. It's a little bit frustrating. But here's the deal. Dustin Bufflin, like right before the season began, said to the Jets, "Uh, you know, now that you've traded Jacob Truba, I'm not sure I want to play hockey anymore. Uh, And the Jets were caught off guard by this, obviously. And Bufflin has not played for the Jets all year. In the meantime... He's had a grievance with the team regarding payment for an injury he suffered. Feels like he should be compensated when he's recovering from an injury he has during this, whatever you want to call it, hold out or sit out, whatever you want to deem this thing. So it looks like after all that back and forth, the two parties are going to mutually agree on a contract termination, which for all intents and purposes makes Dustin Bufflin an unrestricted free agent. However, Everyone seems to believe 
that he's just not going to play hockey anymore. He doesn't have the spirit to do it anymore. He's not interested in playing anymore, and he's just going to walk away and retire. The other thing is, even if he wasn't, and even if he had a little bit like, well, maybe I'd go play for the Hawks again, Dustin Bufflin has not skated since October. And Dustin Bufflin, even when healthy, his fitness is a concern, and his level Mm -hmm. of preparation is a concern. I don't know if you could sign Dustin Bufflin, get him ready for the season or the playoffs in time for him to be a viable player. I don't know. He hasn't even begun skating yet. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting conundrum, right? Because on the one hand, you have a guy who has had a really solid NHL career as a defenseman, had some good times with the Blackhawks. Odds are you could probably get him on a very cheap contract. I'm guessing like NHL minimum level cheap at this point. But by the same token, all of those things that you brought up as potential concerns are definitely the first things that came up, at least in my eyes. And I and I will say that outside of just pure nostalgia, I think that a lot of Blackhawk fans, when I was kind of perusing social media after that news kind of broke today, I think that a lot of Blackhawk fans have a fairly realistic expectation of what they could expect from a Dustin Bufflin if the Blackhawks were going to go in that direction. And the answer to that question, of course, is not a whole lot. I, I don't think that he offers the Blackhawks anything that they, yeah, like they need defensemen. But do you really want to get a guy, like you said, hasn't played all season, hasn't even begun skating yet? It doesn't seem like a move that a team that really needs defensive help would make if the Blackhawks were in a situation where they needed some depth and they wanted to take a complete and total flyer on a guy like that to me would be something you would do. But in the situation Chicago is in, I just, I cannot see a feasible scenario in which that happens. I just imagine, you know, the press conference and they bring him out and it's the first time he's coming and Dustin Bufflin suddenly looks like Keith Kachuk, the 2020 version of Keith Kachuk who uh, looks like me, basically. He's a big, fat guy now. <laughs> it's like, if if Keith Kachuk had a beard and a little more hair, you wouldn't be able to tell us apart. And uh, <laughs> that's not a great thing for a guy who played hockey, like, pretty recently. He was an NHL yeah. player. Man, did you see him at the All-Star game? Ooh, I was worried I, I about him. I saw a lot of things at the All-Star game that I'm going to pretend I didn't see. Yeah, he was... Uh, He's a girthy man, a very girthy man. Uh, and you would know, Mr. I'm the host of the I'm Fat podcast. Yes, you I are know. a qualified expert in this field. I'm an expert on all things fat. Unrelated mm. to fatness, maybe a little related. It's totally related. James and I would like to welcome our newest sponsor to the podcast, Fry the Coop. They've got locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market, and coming soon to Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. Listen. Nashville hot chicken is all the rage. Everyone's trying to make it. Everyone's trying to make it a big deal. Everyone's trying to make it their thing. Come get our hot chicken from chain restaurants to whatever. Fry the Coop is the best Nashville hot chicken I've ever had, including all of the standards in Nashville, which I've also had. None of them hold a candle to Fry the Coop, and I say that with total sincerity. It's spicy. It's crunchy. It's delicious. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out the menu options. Try a Fry the Coop sandwich on a donut. Yeah, you heard me. The donut fried chicken sandwich, fried chicken pickle, special sauce, glazed donut. How about the heat levels? Country, mild, medium, hot, crazy. 
and little insanity. Guess what? I'm a guy that likes hot food. I will always order the hottest sauce on the menu within reason, but typically I'm going to a wing place. I'm getting hot. That's my default order. The hot at fry the coop will mess you up. I'm just warning you. I usually do two mediums and a hot tender and I'm good to go. Get the house fries, the seasoned fries, the little secret. Ask for a side of the honey butter. Your life will be complete. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop and frythecoop.com. James and I welcome them to the podcast. We could not be more excited about this brand new partnership. You will absolutely love it. That is the Madhouse Podcast guarantee that if you mm. go to Fry the Coop, you are going to leave a happy, happy person. It is one of my favorite places. Very. Why exciting. haven't they sent me a uh, flat rate USPS box full of chicken yet? I thought that was part of the uh, contractual agreement. Yeah, I, I, you know, we got to work that out. I haven't gotten mine yet either. They were busy during the Super Bowl. They had some sliders they were selling and some, uh, <sighs> like, what do you call it, like lollipop chicken, like chicken on a stick? Whew. Go check out Fry the Coop. You will love it, I promise. Now back to the old puckaroo. Saturday night, the Hawks beat the Arizona Coyotes 3-2 in the shootout. On the road, beginning a long set of road games. They play at home on Wednesday, but the Hawks have a slog of road games ahead of them and a really nice start. That game was really, really exciting. And, James, I'm sure you felt the same way. Coming off the break, first game, I was a little bit nervous that the Hawks were going to look pretty sluggish. And I think they did sort of do the feeling out thing to start. But overall, mm-hmm. a really, really solid game in return to action for the Blackhawks. I'm still trying to get over you saying the phrase puckaroo. That that's uh that's you, interesting. You like um, it. Yeah, I mean that to me, you were totally waiting for it, right? You were waiting for the Blackhawks to come out completely flat, looking like absolute garbage on offense. You were waiting for every pass to be askew and the penalty kill to look bad. None of that stuff really happened. No. Like, yeah, it wasn't like their cleanest game that they've ever played. But I will be damned if that wasn't some of the best hockey we have seen from Corey Crawford in recent memory. That dude played his butt off in that game, made some absolutely massive saves. And I know a lot of the attention, and rightfully so, went to Auntie Ranta and all the insane saves he was making, including that scorpion kick save that I feel like is not getting enough love as a potential save of the year candidates. That thing was absolutely bonkers. I cannot believe he denied Brandon Saad a hat trick with that save. And speaking of Saad, let's just go with that. That dude has been lighting it up since he came back. And I know it obviously helps playing with Patrick Kane. It's going to, you're always going to kind of get more scoring opportunities, but that dude just night in and night out on both ends of the ice has been busting his hump for the Blackhawks. And he, I, I completely failed in my responsibility as a hockey pundit you last night on Sports Sunday and not mentioning just how awesome Brandon Sod has been and what a big impact he's made on this team's recent surge of success. Well, aside from Patrick Kane and aside from Robin Leonard, I think it's safe to say that he's been their most consistent player, maybe not in terms of output, but in terms of performance. He's, mm-hmm. he's a factor every night and has been since the puck dropped on this season. And you're right. He came back from injury and was like, here, here I am. I was never gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was frozen in carbonite. And you just unfroze me and I'm back. That's how it yep. felt. It really did. And uh, two more goals. And you're right. He could have had a hat trick easily in that game. Ranta and Crawford were both insanely good during that game. I've always liked Ranta. 
I wish they'd held on to him, but whatever. Me too. I just I got a thing for the Finns. Everybody knows that, but damn. Uh Ron's is like such a great dude. I did a bunch of bar appearances with him. So really easy to root for and, and a damn, damn good goalie. But I was you're right, I was so encouraged by how that game went. And this is something like we've got to give some credit to Cowton here. Lately they've been playing very well. They've come out, and look, it should be expected that a team comes out and is ready to go, right? But the way they came out, the approach was good. They weren't playing over their skis. Sometimes you'll see teams that are so concerned with coming out flat that they'll come out crazy, like the Tasmanian Mm -hmm. Devil, and have no control at all. They came out and played a very controlled, well, I would say like first seven to ten minutes. The game was just kind of like, get the puck out of the zone, make the smart play, don't go too crazy. And then as they started to get their legs back, they started playing their game. And not to make a, a weird comparison, but it was very much like the Super Bowl. Like mm-hmm. the, f- the first half of the game was kind of like, okay, this is fun. It's it's entertaining. And then as the second half of the game came on, it just got wild and wacky. And it was, it was probably, I'd say, top five as far as entertaining games went this year. Oh, I definitely would agree with that. And I think that... One of the things that kind of got lost in the shuffle maybe a little bit, and I don't know if you noticed this same thing, but on a lot of potential Coyotes breakouts during that game, the guys on the Blackhawks, the forwards like the Sods, the Canes, the Kubeliks, the DeBrincats, their back check was super aggressive. They were playing with really lively skating legs in that game throughout. They absolutely were busting their butts on both sides of the ice. It was one of the better all-around efforts I've seen the Blackhawks make. And I, and I have I admit I have not looked at what Natural Stat Trick had to say about the game, but I felt like the Blackhawks did a really good job of efforting in a lot of different areas that sometimes we've seen them kind of fall flat in and to do that coming out of their bye week and out of the all-star break having not played in 10 or 11 days was really it was heartening and I do again have to give Jeremy Colleton credit for that and the one other thing I do have to give him credit for and it's something that you and I did kind of hammer him about a little bit it was staying patient and not just putting Kubelik, Taves, and Kane together. I wanted him to do that very badly because it was the only line that was producing anything. And I think by not doing that, he enabled guys like Drake Kajula to make big impacts on games and then also allowed Brandon Saad to really find a good groove with Kirby Doc and Patrick Kane. Well, and now that uh, Strom is back too, that's going to help him out as well. He's got much more of that depth. That, that, that one guy returning to me makes a, a really big difference in terms of line options because you can put Strom at center or wing just like you can with Kirby Doc. Doc, by the way, took seven face-offs in the last game, which may be a season high for him. He lost six of the seven, which isn't great, but played almost 20 minutes of ice time. We're starting to see, and this is what I want to get to next segment, we're starting to see the next steps in the development of Kirby Doc and of Adam Boquist. We're going to get to that next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports triplethreatsports.com james told you that i'm involved in homewood baseball if your league is looking for uniforms you want to outfit an entire baseball and softball league for kids triple threat sports can get it done and get it done well call chris 708-478-6090 hit him up on the email chris at triplethreatsports.com triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it let them outfit your youth league this season you will not be disappointed in the results 
Let's take a quick timeout and come back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James Naveau out in Bourbon A enjoying his dinner during the break. Taco John's, you said? Indeed, sir. I uh, passed it by on the way home from Bar Trivia, which I won, by the way. Nice. The topic today was the NBA All-Star Game. So I would, I would I'm not that. just a hockey guy. I'm a dual threat. How many questions about Jarrett Jack were there? That's my guy. Uh, there were zero about him. Ironically, three questions about the New Orleans Pelicans, which I found very odd, but that, that I got all odd. of them right. Well, good for you. Did you win any money? Uh, I won a $20 gift certificate to the bar that we were at. Boom. There you go. That's a couple beers. I do I do want to hit you with the uh, final Jeopardy question that I got right and won us the uh, the evening. And right, I'm going to see if you can get it right. All right. First, let's tell our friends about our okay. friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Oh, I thought Marishka's could have waited. Oh, well. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> I didn't say that was him, not me. 604. Not, true. I would never wait for Marishka's, ever. 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Their family owned and operated since 1933. The poor boy. That's what they're known for. But everything there is terrific. The Yodel Burger, the Twice Baked Potato, the Steaks, the Chops, the Seafoods, the Craft Beer Menu. Whatever you want, you will find it at Marishka's, and you will be very, very pleased with your order and go back again and again. But I'm telling you, I implore you, your first time, try that poor boy. That's what will bring you back over and over again. Go check out Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go there, tell Joe we sent you and say hello to the family and you will leave a happy happy human being because the food there is tremendous and you'll be happy and like it i kind of regret not getting it now because well, it sounds amazing you're close enough you don't have an excuse all right give me your final jeopardy question here i want to do it before derrick rose who was the last bulls player they selected number one overall in the nba draft it's not jordan i know that um, Artis Gilmore. That is incorrect. Damn it! In two in two thousand two, out of Duke, Elton Brand. Oh God, he was number one overall. That's right. Yes, he was. Well, Got that question. Literally, he had not finished reading it. I had already written it down and handed in my paper. That is, <laughs> that's the mark of confidence there. That's awesome. I did. I I totally forgot he was number one overall pick. Yep, the Bulls have only had the number one pick twice, and it's Elton Brand and Derrick Rose are the guys they've used it on. Well, they were both good players, but just bad things go happen when you're the Bulls. Well, you know, the Bulls decided to trade Elton Brand for whatever reason, and then Derrick Rose kind of broke. So Yeah, yep, that did happen, didn't it? That's a shame. Yeah, certainly did. It's cool oh, to see him. 20 years since MJ have been rough. It's, it's cool to see Rose kind of having a renaissance a little bit, though, after all he's been through, and look. I'm talking about basketball stuff. I know there's a lot of other stuff we're not going to talk about because, it's first of all, it's a hockey podcast, but right. cool that he's back playing basketball. Anyway, Hawks play the Wild tomorrow, Boston on Wednesday. They are still – what's fascinating to me about this break was they didn't lose any ground in the playoff race. They entered this 11-day break three points out, and they remain three points out of a playoff spot. So, With games in hand, by the yeah, way. Yeah, now they have games in hand. So it's tremendous. This game against Minnesota is big. I And look, our, our fear of are the Hawks going to come out flat against the Coyotes, 
didn't happen. So hopefully they're not going to overlook Minnesota because they've got Boston the next night. I don't, I don't. There's been nothing for this team to indicate they're overlooking any opponents lately. It was happening earlier in the year because most of their crap performances were against bad teams. But hopefully uh, they just continue to be prepared and come ready to play as they have been over the what last 11, 12 games. Yeah, I mean they've been they've what won seven or six of their last seven games. I mean they they've come out very strong in a lot of those contests, and I've liked what they've done against Toronto. They had a really good game against Winnipeg back on January nineteenth. I know they did not beat Florida. Probably should have won that game, but still, like they the effort level, especially early in games, has not really been a huge concern as of late for the Blackhawks. And yeah, like you said, you have an opportunity tomorrow to make a real or sorry it'd probably be today by the time our listeners are listening to this but they they have a really big opportunity to make a big statement against minnesota and i know a couple times this season the blackhawks have had that chance and haven't exactly always risen to the occasion but this is a really good time to take care of a team that you really need to take care of if you have serious playoff aspirations and i like you I really hope they do not overlook Minnesota looking at Boston coming into the UC on Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. And and you're right. I hope they don't. And, you know, one one sign of – before the break, we sort of alluded to this. Um, two guys that give you hope are Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist, who I think are – I mean, I don't think there's any question about it, both playing their best hockey of the year. You mentioned last segment the defensive play of some of the forwards, the Brinkett, Kane – Sod, those guys, you know, committed to the back check. Adam Boquist made a handful of solid defensive plays in that game. Of course, the offense is there. There was a move. I don't know if it was on the power play or not, but he jumped in from the right point, sort of stick handled around a defender and got himself right in front of the net for a scoring chance. You're starting to see the confidence in the offensive game grow. But I think the defense at this point is further along than I expected it to be all year. I think he's better now than I thought he would be this season. I've been really impressed with his defensive game lately. Yeah, he's taken like a lot of steps forward very quickly. And I know development is not linear. We all know this. We've all heard this. But by the same token, Kurt or Adam Boquist, excuse me, has really he stepped up his game in a big way, especially on the defensive side of the ice. I think he's Definitely further along in that area than I certainly thought he would be at this point. But I also really just have enjoyed the fact that he's being so he's playing with such confidence on both ends of the ice. I knew he would come in here and he would probably have a lot of confidence in terms of passing the puck and trying to create scoring opportunities. But in addition to that, he looks like there are times where he just looks like a seasoned veteran out there when he needs to make a play defensively. He's been very aware on the ice his on ice vision has been fantastic and you just you eventually you run out of superlatives to kind of describe just how quickly it seems like he's really starting to kind of take to the NHL game and again I know there are going to be lulls in this there are going to be times where Adam Boquist is going to struggle perhaps for several games in a row but by the same token this surge in terms of what the Blackhawks have been able to do has definitely kind of coincided with this surge in play from Adam Boquist as well. And I got to give him a ton of credit for what he's been able to do so far. Yeah, uh, over 16 minutes of ice time on Saturday, he blocked five shots in Saturday's game. Five shots blocked. That's something, man. That's that's showing a willingness and a gutsiness 
that I think a lot of us thought would would come much later in his career. And he, I, I think, not only, like I mentioned, the offensive flair he's showing, the confidence to lay down and block a puck or to get in the lane. I think sometimes a lot of young defensemen, they don't want to screw up, so they just get out of the way to give the goalie, right. you know what I mean, to give the goalie a good look at the puck. Blocking shots takes nerve, and it takes it takes some smarts to be in the right place and not block it in a detrimental way. I've been right. You can't you can't overcommit and then give the guy a clean lane to the net. And Boquist has been really good about doing that. Absolutely, I've been super impressed with his game lately. And we should talk about Doc too. Played twenty minutes. Uh, that goal that I think was the first side goal. That short side goal over the glove hand. Doc really wisely cuts to the net, but also sets a screen in front of Ranta. So Ranta can't see Saad totally clearly, and Saad gets that shot through on the short, short side. It was a perfect shot oh, by Saad. But if, God, it was beautiful. Yeah, but if Doc's not there, that puck might not go in. That, that's a clean look for Ranta. So those little things, that's what you guys should be looking for as you watch Doc and Boquist play is the little things, the the sort of the moves that you would describe as, as savvy or smarter, like a veteran sort of move. Those are happening more and more often with those two guys. And I am thrilled with the way they both developed this year. And look, the point production hasn't been there. We've talked about this before. It's the last thing to come. It will come. And, I mean, look, if, if Kirby Doc plays the rest of the season like he played on Saturday, he's for sure going to have points because he's going to the places he needs to go to make things happen. Whether or not the puck hits him or not, that's fine. But... He's doing less of the flyby stuff. He's being strong along the boards, playing with confidence. I love the way both these kids have been playing. Yeah, and it's it's definitely been a very pleasant development in a season that I think a lot of us looked at as kind of a make-or-break season in terms of the front office structure of this team and the coaching staff. And I'm not saying that anybody's job is necessarily safe because of the way that Adam Boquist and Kirby Doc have played, but I also would point out that it does kind of speak to the developmental eye of the organization. And maybe we've turned a little bit of a corner in terms of developing guys at key positions. Like that's at least it's a step in the right direction. It feels like the Blackhawks are actually able to do a good job of identifying prospects. And I know they had the third pick in the draft really hard to screw that up, but there were a lot of guys they could have taken with that selection. And I know that the points haven't necessarily been there for Kirby doc, but all early returns are indicating that he could potentially be a very good two-way center in this league and play those first and second line center minutes. And that's exactly what you need out of a guy that's taken with the third overall selection in the draft. So kudos to Stan Bowman for going out there, identifying his guy and taking him, even though a lot of the conventional hockey wisdom probably would have indicated that it may have been smarter to take a guy like Bowen Byram. Well, and it still might play out that way. You never know. I mean, just because Byram isn't here this year, he could go and be the next Nicholas Lidstrom for sure. Colorado right next to Kale McCarr, who is already one of the best young defensemen in the game. You've yeah, got like the, any of us needed that. Right. You've got those two guys for the next decade plus, and, you, and you're talking with an already stacked team. But Doc's here now, and he's playing here now, and he's contributing now. And maybe, maybe uh, Byron would have done the same thing here. But look, uh, so far so good on, on, on both those guys. Uh, I was a little bit worried when Boquist wasn't putting up the big points at Rockford. You'd think he would just sort of go there and dominate, but it really wasn't the case. 
But ever since he's come here, after the first handful of games as he's working out the nerves and figuring out the system, he's been really, really good. And, and you mentioned earlier natural stat trick. Not kind to Keith or Boquist after that game against Phoenix, but every time – Arizona, my bad, I'm sorry. But every time I looked up, those two guys were making solid defensive plays. Yeah. And that's what you want from your top pair. Duncan Keith, by the way, 27 minutes in that game. We keep waiting for it. We keep waiting for the decline, for the slowdown, for the, well, you know, he's not going to be able to play that many minutes every night. He doesn't miss a beat. He's. Do you agree with me that he's had a bounce back year? Yeah, you don't f with the hockey Jesus. I think that's what we've kind of all uh, we've all learned that this season. But I I know there have been times this season where Keith has maybe looked a step slow here and there. But I think for the most part, what we've seen from him has been a firm declaration that he still has hockey left. It's not like he's gonna. I, I don't think we're ever gonna see the precipitous drop-off that maybe we've seen from a guy like Brent Seabrook, who still knows what to do on the ice, but whether or not he can execute it is another issue. There are are plays that Duncan Keith is not going to be able to make out there, but for the majority of the time that he's on the ice, I still have a lot of confidence. He's clearly still one of the top two defensemen on this team, if not the top defenseman on this team. And it amazes me that we all kind of speculated like whether it was going to be during the last off season or even going into the trade deadline last year, if we were going to see Duncan Keith potentially get moved. And at this point, I don't know, are you better off just holding on to him? I know obviously he would have maybe a little bit more trade value right now, but I also think that the way he's been playing, you might as well hold on to him and kind of stand pat and see what happens. I am so conflicted about how to handle this trade deadline. Part of me is like, look, they're playing great right now and it's wonderful, but they're not a Stanley Cup contender. So take what you can get. If someone's going to take a bad contract or a a worsening contract off your hands, by all means, let them do it. But then part of me is like, the playoffs could be good for this team and you could ride a hot goalie and Stan Bowman and Jeremy Collin are trying to save their jobs, so they're going to go for it. This trade deadline has me totally like rattled because I truly don't know. Do I want them to sell? Yes. Do I want them to make the playoffs? Yes, I do. (laughs) So it's like, I don't really know how to feel about it. And I feel like as this month goes on, every game's going to sort of like sway my opinion one way or the other. Like if they lose tonight against Minnesota, I'll be like, well, you know, now they're four points out of a playoff spot. And it's, it's just really an intense time of year. And I think I've said this before and I'll say it again. I do not envy Stan Bowman right now. He's got a hell of a decision to make, knowing his job's likely on the line. But does he make a move for the future if his job's on the line? Or is he like, screw this, I have to get in the playoffs to keep my job? It, that's a great question. And I, I I, find myself more and more, and I know this is a such a coward thing to do. I kind of want him to stay pat. I don't want them to go out and make a huge splash at the trade deadline and give up a really significant asset like a high draft pick or a guy like Nicholas Bodan or anything like that. But I also don't want them to sell off a guy like a Robin Leonard after what we saw happen in Toronto tonight with Frederick Anderson getting hurt. Like that could easily happen to Leonard or Corey Crawford moving forward for the Blackhawks. And it would be really bad if that happened. And I just, I really, I don't want them to start selling off pieces. Like I know 
that's better for them in the long term. But I think in the short term, to me, you can kind of get away with doing a stand pad attitude right now, especially as long as they remain in playoff contention. But the one really good thing about all of this is after this long stretch of road games that are coming up, we're still before the trade deadline. So the Blackhawks have plenty of opportunities within the next uh, three weeks or so to really see what they're going to be able to do at the deadline, whether to buy, sell, or otherwise. Yeah, I just the thing that worries me, James, is you don't sell, you lose Leonard for nothing, you lose Gustafson for nothing, and you don't make the playoffs or you lose the first round in five games, and then what? You just have such an opportunity with Leonard, with Gustafson, maybe with Saad, to reload the organization with some prospects, maybe some NHL-ready young players. But do you really think you're going to be able to make a significant enough move to reload the organization before the deadline? I'm not... I'm not so, I, but, I know guys like Saad could potentially do that, but a guy like Gustafson's not going to do it. No, but I think a guy like Leonard could. Theoretically, yeah. If, if a contender, had, like you just said, like Anderson, if a, if a contender's goalie goes down and they feel like that's the difference between between them winning or losing a Stanley Cup, they'll give you a first-round pick, second-round pick for Robin Leonard, and then you can go ahead and sign Robin Leonard again in the offseason. Or maybe you maybe then instead you trade Crawford at the deadline and say, look, two-time Cup champ, you want to win the Cup, take Corey Crawford. I don't know. Mm. That's, that's why this is such a difficult... It's a difficult place to be for fans and for the team because it's like, what do you do? You haven't made the playoffs in years. You need to make the playoffs again to make the team feel relevant again. But at the same time, you've got this unique opportunity where you could quickly kind of reload your pipeline a little bit. I'm not saying you're going to get like, you know, a top five pick or anything like that. But trading two or three of those asset unrestricted free agent type players you have can bring back a pretty hefty return, I would think. I think they just need to be willing to do whatever the market is going to allow them to do. If it's going to allow them, if they're still very much in the thick of the playoff hunt, like right now they don't have to jump anybody other than the teams ahead of them in the wild card race. If they're still in that position in two or three weeks, I think you can afford to stand pat. I don't, I still don't want them to buy. I think that's like the one yeah. thing I do not want them to do. But it, and if they're out of it, if they're seven, eight points back and they have two or three teams in front of them uh, in that wild card hunt, I think at that point you still will have an opportunity to move out a guy like a Brandon Saad or like you said, a Robin Leonard or a Corey Crawford. And I would be OK with that. I think that the Blackhawks just need they need to be willing to do what it what the situation dictates. And I hope. Stan Bowman does not go into this trade deadline being like, oh, we're four points out and we have to jump two teams just to get into the wild card spot. I hope he doesn't look at that as some type of an excuse to say, you know what, let's give up that asset to go out and get a defenseman or whatever they would try to do to make a playoff run that realistically is not going to end with them winning a Stanley Cup. It's one thing if you want to stand pat and wait till the offseason to really kind of evaluate what you want to do with some of the contracts on this roster and see if you can get a goaltender to carry you through maybe a round of the playoffs. That's fine with me. I, the one thing you absolutely cannot do is end up buying and then miss the playoffs because that would be a catastrophe for this team, and I really hope they don't do that. Well, I agree with you there. Selling or buying would be the worst thing to do. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Before we go, we got to tell you about our friends at Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, Burbank, 
Darien, the Cajun, the barbecue, the Mexican, the wings, the burgers, the seafood, the desserts, the beer. Trucks is amazing. The food there is amazing. You talked about Trivia Night, James. You were at Trivia Night today. They've got events going on at Chuck's all the time, like Trivia Nights and all those sort of awesome things. There's live music all the time. Go to chuckscafe.com. Check out the menus for both locations. Make sure you check out the specials before you go because the specials are the real sweet spot for Chuck's. Go on a Saturday. Get that Cochinita Pabil. It's one of my favorite meals in the world. You will not regret it. So thanks to Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. Again, chuckscafe.com. Our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Family owned and operated since 1933. Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. And our newest sponsor, Fry the Coop. They've got locations in Oak Lawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Well Street Market, and coming soon to Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. Visit frythecoop.com. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We will talk to you later this week.